0: And then I spilled soda on the table. Not on anything, just on the table. One second. Who is this, Ted, that we're talking to? Well, I've got my computer up. up on. Oh,
1: well, if I spill, it's just going to be on my Bluetooth keyboard
0: and mouse, and I'll just keep <laughs> using my laptop one. And then all of the heck breaks loose. All right. <laughs>
1: oriented code To kill the unkillable dibs Persist, though the progress had
0: slowed
2: To patch the unpatchable file To get a
1: release candidate I'm going
2: to stop it right there because of the feedback on that recording. Holy cow. <laughs> I always like to get to at least to the chorus, but I you know, couldn't get there this time. The Convention hey, Center Sound
0: Systems, <laughs> you know,
2: yeah we got to jack right into the board this year, I think. Maybe that's what I'll try doing. I'll just see if I can't just record it right from the board. That'd be much better. Anyway, welcome to Triple Easy Podcast number 191. That voice you just heard alongside me, virtually alongside me, Mr. Ryan Price. How are you, Ryan?
0: Yes, very good. Very good. Happy to be back.
2: Yes, let me once again remind uh, remind everybody and congratulate you. You are, you are off the market, Mr. Price. Well, you've been off the market for a while. <laughs> I,
0: I have, but, but it is now legal.
2: It is now, you are legally off the market. Yes. So Congratulations again on that.
0: How are things in Portland? Yeah, doing very well. Um, you know, another bit of news, um, besides the fact that it snows in Portland, which... Nobody really told me. They are like, it never snows in Portland. And then we got here and we got the worst snowstorm in 37 years. So, you know, that. Um, But recently there was a tweet by a good friend, Damian McKenna, that is his 10-year Drupal anniversary. And he thanked me in his tweet. And then I said, well, that means it's my 10-year Drupal anniversary. (laughs) And probably Mike's too. (laughs) Because you started very similar time to me.
2: I actually think mine was last year at this time. I think I might be on 11 if we're going by like the Drupal.org you know, username account mm. creation.
0: I oh, yeah. If it's, while... if it's just by account creation, mine is much later than my actual, like, when I started.
2: Yeah. I remember because there was, um, at Drupal Camp New Jersey last year, there was, I think it was actually Ray, from uh, Ray Saltini from FFW, who was also have like a 10-year Drupal Drupalversary, and we were talking about it at, at Drupal Camp New Jersey.
0: Did I actually let you introduce Drupal Easy Podcast? I'm sorry. I stepped on your intro, I think.
1: No, I think, I think it's introduced.
0: Okay. Well, yeah. Before you
1: go any further, I just looked mine up, and apparently mine says I've been a member for nine years and one month, so I'm right there with you.
2: You are there, Mr. Brian Lewis. How are you, Brian? I'm doing well. Hey, so I'm gonna, I noticed something as I was creating the rundown. And I want to ask Ryan, since I know you just opened the rundown, um, have you taken a close look at the rundown yet, Ryan? No, not very. Okay, don't look at it.
0: (laughs) Sounds good. Because
2: I'm just going to ask you, do you know Brian's Drupal.org username off the top of your head? Because we've known each other, the three of us have known each other for a while. And as I'm getting the rundown going, normally I just, I know a lot of people or a lot of guests Username, so I'll just type in drupal.org slash u slash, you no know, username. And I, I go to do that this morning, I'm like, is it Brian Lewis? Is it modules unraveled? It wasn't anything that I knew. And then when I looked at it, I'm like, I don't think I ever knew what his username was.
0: Not that I can think of. I can think of Twitter is mods unraveled, right? Right, but- right. That's all I got. I mean, yeah, Brian, I would have said have you, Brian Lewis also.
1: Did you change? Has this always been your user ID? It has always been Funky Sassy Pants. It <laughs> well, you've got a couple days to change it to Funky Sassy Pants, so
2: that you're, you know, our listeners are not disappointed. <laughs>
1: no, uh, it's always been BJ Lewis, too. Uh, that's just um, when I went to college, they gave me the, the email address, and I was the second BJ Lewis, apparently. And they put a two on it and I've just been using it ever since it's I just find it crazy a real exciting that, story.
2: Yeah, I, I just find it crazy that, you know, we've known each other for so long and I had no idea like what your Drupal.org username was. I just find that funny.
0: But your friends don't call you BJ.
1: No. And they don't call me Blue well, a couple of people call me Blueis. Oh that's fun.
0: Blueis. <laughs>
2: and we have a show title, so fantastic. <laughs> 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 That's awesome. I'm going to write that one down right now, um, but Lewis. B L E W. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. What are the odds that you, there were two people in your university with uh, the name uh, Brian Lewis?
1: Well, it'd be B J. Oh, so, so it, could it could have been, been like Brad and John, or right, yeah, okay, all
0: right. It could could have been although, Brittany J Lewis, you know.
1: Although funny story though, um, I went to the bank once to. I remember if I was depositing or withdrawing money. I think I was getting money out. It must have been because I, I was at a bank. It was a branch I didn't normally go to. And, um, you know, I filled out my information, you know, said, here's here's the money I need. Um, here's my account information, everything. And I handed it to him. And then she, like, takes a while. She put she types in her computer. And then she calls somebody else over. And I'm like, well, whatever. It's okay. And then uh, the other lady is looking at the computer, looking at me. Looking at the computer, looking at me, and I'm like, So, what, what's, what's the deal? Please retain and, this credit card and shred <laughs> it. Right. And so uh, I find out uh, they had just recently taken my picture for the account, you know, because th- this is like before they had photos on the accounts and they just recently taken it. Um, but apparently, mine didn't get uploaded, it was another Brian Lewis who was, like, a six-foot black guy. Mm. And so on my bank account, (laughs) there was a picture that was not me, uh, but apparently also named Brian Lewis. Um, How quickly did the cops arrive? uh, They didn't, because, like, they asked me, like, what's the last withdrawal you made? What's the last thing you purchased? Like, they were asking all these things I was telling them. And so they were like, all right, we're pretty sure this is you. (laughs) We'll have to get this figured out. Oh, that's funny. Yeah.
2: Alright, so Brian, uh, welcome back to the podcast. I think the last time we had you on, we
1: were actually standing in a circle in Los Angeles. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw you put that in the show notes, and I was like, I don't remember being on the show before, but yes, okay.
2: Yes, no, no, no. I know, we've had you on, I think there was another time even before that.
1: No? I don't think so.
0: I think at least, like, some of the DrupalCon episodes, we had you come on, yeah.
1: Right, like when we were in person. I don't think I've done anything remote. All right. Well, this is the, uh, this is
2: your first official focused on Brian Lewis episode.
1: Fantastic. All
0: right, I'm so just going to real- cut straight to the chase though. What's up with the podcast, dude? What about it? Well, I mean, we took a break from our podcast, but
1: Yeah. Okay, so I took a break basically when I took the job at Four Kitchens. Uh it was an unintentional break, but all of a sudden I had, you know, work to do for other people and <laughs> when you have work to do, you do less. Of your own stuff. <laughs> you just need to get However,
0: about five co-hosts, I mean, and then you're
1: right. good. Um Hey, so you guys looking to co- co-host a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> <What that laughs> um, yeah, no, actually, I do have one recorded that's like sitting on my computer. I need to edit and get it out. Um, it was with Brad Frost talking about atomic design and Pattern Lab and nice. um, how we're using it at Four Kitchens, and so that's a really that's gonna be a really good one. I just need to get it edited and released. And then Ted is supposed to be on also to talk about, um, like, Drupal 8.3 and beyond, but he's nice. been postponing, because apparently he has a job now, too. He's really unreliable <laughs> as well, so there's that. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, so you mentioned, I was going to finish introducing you, you are a no. front-end engineer for Four Kitchens. Yes. So you, you do the, the SAS and the twig. Yes. And uh, also, as, as Ryan mentioned, you are a founder of Modules Unraveled, known for uh, a Drupal podcast that you've been doing for a long time, um, as well as a video series, which at one point was a subscription-based video series, but now it's, the doors have been kicked open and it's all for
1: free and out there. It is right currently, yes. That's not a permanent thing.
2: Yes. Always yes. looking for sponsors for that.
1: At, at this at this moment, yeah, it is all open for free, no subscription required. Right, fantastic.
2: All right, um, so real quick before, so you're well here. Let me let me say this: um, you are here today because you are going to answer all of our questions about Composer, and by the end of the podcast, anyone who's listening is going to know should, if they should be using Composer and what they should be using it for. That's our goal. Okay, I want to stay. Short that answer
1: right now. is yes, and everything.
2: Okay. Well, thanks for joining us on uh Podcast 191. Right. Um <laughs> So, here, let's real quick, let me just uh talk about uh, mydropwizard.com. They are one of the Drupal 6 long-term support providers for earlier versions or unsupported versions of Drupal, um Drupal 6 specifically. Um, as a matter of fact, they actually support Drupal 7 and Drupal 8 as well. Um but we're gonna to talk to them, Talk about them more uh, in the context of, you have a Drupal 6 site, Drupal 6 is no longer supported by the community, what do you do? Well, you can engage with mydropwizard.com. They will work with you to hook into your site and automatically keep your site updated with any security patches, both for core or contributed modules that are necessary. This is great if you're a small business and have a Drupal 6 site and you just haven't had time to upgrade yet. It's great if you're a Drupal shop that has clients that are still running Drupal 6 that have no interest in upgrading yet as well. Um, you can white label their service as a Drupal shop or you can engage them directly as an organization. Um, it, it basically, once you have it all set up, it makes it super dead simple for you to uh, use. You actually almost don't have to do anything. Um, you can set up some very simple tests with them so that every time they apply an update they will run through a series of tests to make sure your your website is still working and then automatically push those tests to the live environment. They've got great customer service um, and you should definitely check them out at mydropwizard.com. Yeah so there you go. So thank you to them for uh, continuing to support the Drupal Easy Podcast so let's uh let's start at the very beginning there, Mr. Lewis, and you know, if you listen to the podcast you know or you are involved in the Drupal community at all you 've probably heard of composer, and you know that composer has something to do with dependency management, and you we really only started talking about composer with Drupal eight um, so there might be these little tiny pieces of information that have been hitting your brain, but you know, maybe you don't have the full picture of what exactly Composer is. So, you know, why don't we kind of level set everybody first, Brian, and just tell us what is Composer?
1: Sure. So um, basically, Composer is a dependency manager for PHP. So uh, if you're using uh, like Ruby, it'd be equivalent to Bundler, or if you're using Node, it's like NPM. So it's um, along those lines where you can say, I want to install um, this particular project or package in composer and it will have a composer json file in it that says what it depends on so if you're installing drupal you're going to you're going to depend on guzzle php um bhat probably um and even like more drupal specific stuff like modules and themes that you want to use on your site and then each of those will have things that it depends on like additional packages. And then each of those dependencies will have things they depend on potentially and you know can go on. And so what composer does is it allows you to say, I want to install this package and it will in the background say, okay, that requires all these things. Let's get those. Each of these require these things. Let's get all those. And it'll just, it'll build out the entire dependency structure for you as opposed to just saying, here's your thing. Okay. By the way, you also need to go to get this other thing. And then you know doing the, the install manually. Right, so That's kind it, of
2: like what, what Drupal 7 did, right? Like if you installed the views module and you go to your modules page and you go to enable it, it's going to tell you, well, I can't enable it because you know, uh, views is dependent on chaos tools. Mm-hmm. But that's where, that's where it would stop. It would still be up to you to go out and get chaos tools and install it.
1: Right, and if you use Drush to enable things, it did have some dependency stuff, Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, did it just go one level down, or did it go all the way down?
0: I think Drush could keep going, but it would sort of do it like one project at a time, like, yeah, it wouldn't, yeah, I don't know, that's a good question, but I, you know, I don't think there were too many modules that were like, this module depends on that one, depends on that one, which in Composer land, you can kind of get there, but... My, my comment about Composer is in the age where people are trying to get off the island and you have people like um, the Drupal Commerce Project are releasing some of their modules as publicly available PHP packages mm-hmm. and not as Drupal modules, um, this Composer helps you get off the island without doing all of the work of having to manually download sometimes you know, dozens or hundreds of other projects and keep track of them and figure out which ones are up to date. It just sort of like puts PHP in a modern open source collaborative space. So if you don't if you don't want to know anything else about Composer, know that. And then fast forward about ten minutes.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I was gonna I was gonna say that that's one of the things that, that Composer is doing in Drupal 8 and actually does in Drupal 7 too, but not as many people used it. Um, that Drush didn't do is if you require, like if you want to install uh, Vue Slideshow, you had to go manually install the JavaScript that comes with it and then the module. Whereas if you say, I want to install Vue Slideshow uh, via Composer, it'll in its Composer JSON file say, I require this library file and it'll get it automatically as opposed to the two-step process. It gets all of the dependencies, not just the Drupal-specific dependencies.
0: Right, and and basically, what that requires is for the module developer to just put a little composer file in their module file if they have some extra piece of code. It could be JavaScripts, it could be you know PHP, it could be a lot of things. Um, and it's just a few lines, and it says like this is where the Git repository is, and this is what version I want. And beyond that, Composer just sort of knows what to do with the, with the information. And so if you ever actually open up a Composer JSON file, what it's literally got is just a big array of, you know, at the top there's some header stuff. Like, these are all of the packages that I know about, or all of the, what's the word? Repositories. repositories." All the directories that I know about. Um, And one of them is going to be Drupal.org. And one of them is going to be the regular um, Packagist, which is sort of like the home of Composer. And then eventually you get to the point where it's talking about the projects and it's going to say, this is a project I know about, the, the slideshow, view slideshow thing we were just talking about. This is its URL. This is the version that I want. And then here's another project and here's another project and so on.
2: So theoretically, I mean, you know, Composer is, is here. It's here now and it's pretty much um, for some things with Drupal 8, and I'm going to go to the address field Or the address module, address field. I think address in Drupal eight. Which, in order to install the address module for Drupal eight, you actually need to run a composer update because address module does have some um, some dependencies that are like non Drupal modules. Um, Theoretically, though, this whole idea of a dependency manager could have been used for Drupal Mm seven. You could, you know. I think the View Slideshow example was great, where you could theoretically write some type of dependency manager or use Composer for a Drupal Seven install, so that when you go to install View Slideshow, rather than having to open up the README where it says, "Okay, we'll go get this, you know, jQuery plugin and put it in the libraries directory and all that," you could just very easily say, you know, navigate to your View Slideshow directory and say Composer update, and it will take care of all that for you. So this isn't a concept that is new to Drupal 8. The concept exists for pretty much any version of Drupal. Um, I think it's just safe to say that because Drupal 8 takes advantage of so many non-Drupal third-party libraries, we kind of need it at this point. I think that's mm-hmm. a fair statement, Brian?
1: Yeah, so it it's not technically required to use drupal 8 you can download the tarball just like you do with drupal 7 and uh, you know and, and install it All and all that, those
2: dependencies will come in the tarball uh
1: yes they did it first actually now that i'm saying that i think either 8.2 or maybe 8.3 they're gonna actually stop that and require you to run composer update or composer install even with that that tarball i'm not 100 percent sure on that uh i could be wrong but um uh, one of the questions you're going to ask is who should be using Composer today, and I would I would honestly say if you're building Drupal eight, you should be doing it with Composer because um, the example I was going to bring up was the the Commerce address field. Like, like it's, you can start with a quote vanilla Drupal site, but as soon as you want to install Commerce, you have to convert the entire thing to use Composer. Like everything has to be basically restructured because uh, in order to use Commerce in the address module or address. Library, whatever you have to use composer, so I would strongly encourage everyone just to start with composer because then you're not going to have to refactor down the road. so how
2: big of a hurdle is it though i mean for for folks who are used to you know downloading a Drupal tarball, you know downloading the thirty eight modules they need, you know downloading the you know the the contrib theme or having someone build a a custom theme for them, and then you know. Putting everything in Git and you know and and pulling that you know up to a a, up to a server, um, how much more complex is it to use Composer than than what folks are you know have been used to in the past?
1: Yeah, it's a great question Um, because that's where the rock is. I think that's where I I think it depends on where you're at. So if you've never used the command line before, it's going to be scary because you use the command line. Um, but there aren't, there aren't a ton of things you have to know just some like real basic. How do I move around the folder structure? And then like a couple of composer commands to, to use it is all you need. You don't have to know a million things.
2: Uh, so what you're saying is there's no GUI
1: for composer yet. (laughs) Not that I know. I mean, there might be, but I've been using command line for so long now. I, I don't even know. Um.
0: Well, and, and I would say, like, less so than, let's say, Drush. You know, we used to use Drush for lots and lots of things. You can pretty much only use Composer for downloading and updating those packages. It just does that one thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't have to, like, replace your brain in order to switch over to Composer. Um, and and really, even your your Git repository history the The worst thing that this will do is take files out of it, because you shouldn't be checking in things that Composer downloaded. Right? That's one of right. probably the big differences. Well, hold on. That... I'm going to
2: get to that in a minute, though. I'm going to get because I see that as almost like level two.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: So, you know, and this is I was going to go here next with 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 Brian. So, for someone who's new to Composer, you're recommending if you're building a Drupal eight site start with Composer. So let's kind Definitely. of walk through that for a minute. What does that mean? That basically means, well, why don't you tell us, you know, let's
1: say you're going to start a new Drupal 8 site. What's your first step? Okay. So uh, first is going kind to of depend, kind of depend on where you're hosting the site. Um... Okay. Well, let's say level one. So and I'm I'm, call, I'm just arbitrarily
2: calling it level one where you are going to assemble everything on your local you know, it's you know, get all of the dependencies, everything on your local. You're going to commit everything to Git. Okay. And then you're going to clone that on a on a server somewhere.
1: Okay. So uh, let's say it's like a shared server, so you have to commit everything. Yeah. Um, in that case, yeah, there's a, a Drupal Composer Drupal project uh, that's out there on GitHub that um, the vast majority of people who are building Drupal 8, I'd say, are using, or at least... Have forked it to use their own or, or something, um, but there's there's that project that I start all my personal sites from because I usually host on like a um, a virtual host server. Um, so you'd, you'd want to download that. You will have to then modify the gitignore file so that it doesn't ignore your modules directories and things like that, so you can commit them. But with you know, if you just download that and um, and then. Tell the Git Ignore not to ignore your modules files, then you can just run Composer install, and you've got a Drupal site that you can then commit and and start pushing to Git. Um,
2: so let me ask a question: Why would some now? And I'm I'm playing a little bit of the devil's advocate here. Sure. Why would someone do that and and end up at the same point of having everything on their local? The vendor directory, all the
1: dependencies, rather than just going and downloading the tarball. I think for for the uh, future headache that we were talking about earlier, where as soon as you need a module that requires Composer, um, if you've just downloaded the, the tarball, it's not going to work because uh, it'll it'll try and put things in places that don't exist at that time or, or something. Um, I've never tried it personally. <laughs> uh, I've just heard other people say, basically, once you need a module that requires Composer, you have to refactor your entire directory structure so that it'll support that.
2: Okay, so let's say that we go ahead and we, we download that, that um, and we'll have a link uh, to that uh, GitHub project as well. Sure. We um, download that project, you make the necessary changes to the gitignore file, because I guess by default, Um, If you use that project, it's going to, like as Ryan alluded to a second ago, Git is going to ignore basically all of the dependencies. And the thinking behind that is, and this is where what I think in my mind is almost like level two, is where the only thing that gets checked into the repository at that point is is what other than the composer.json
1: file? Yeah, there's a composer.json, usually a composer.lock at that point, And that file is just automatically generated when you run composer install or update or whatever. You don't actually change that yourself. Um, and then just some like scaffolding files, um, placeholder folders, directories for like where your modules will go eventually or um, if you have any scripts. Um, for example, that project comes with a script that runs every time you run either composer update or composer install that checks to see if you have, um, like the, the Drupal core files. It checks to see if you have like the settings files, um, and some other required things that, um, that you might want to change, but so they, so they don't include them as a part of the project. Cause as soon as you change it, then you're not uh, in sync with the original project. Um, and it, and they can easily get them. So like there's a few just kind of scaffolding files that come with it, but, you know, you're you're talking about a dozen or a couple of dozen files for your entire right. project, as opposed to a couple of dozen files per module that's in your project. <laughs> and the and the
2: idea there, you know, again, I'm going to talk about this level two, where um, basically all the dependencies are not in the repository. The idea is there is that when you clone that repository to a dev server or a test server or your production server. Um, composer actually runs on all those servers to download all the dependencies. Correct. So that and for me that I feel like that's the that's the difference right there, right? If you're hosting on, you know, and I'll just call it simple hosting, you know, shared hosting or um or somewhere where you, you don't have complete control over the server, you, you kind of can't do that, right? You need everything in the Git repository. Mm-hmm. So for me that's kind of that's kind of a, a major decision point. You know. And actually when you're first starting the project, you have to kind of know where you know how how I'm going to use Composer is going to be dependent on where ultimately I'm going to host.
1: Um yeah, I guess and no. I mean if if you know for sure it's going to be a simple host or a shared host, then you have to make the decision. If you're unsure and you just go the route that the, you know, the, the Drupal project, Drupal Composer, Drupal project comes out of the box and don't have all that stuff committed, um, it's you know a couple of line deletions and that get ignored later to say, okay, now we do need to commit these, so we'll start committing them locally. Um, whereas previously, as long as you're just building locally, you don't have to commit that stuff.
2: How about with you know, what I call a modern Drupal host, like Pantheon, Aquea Cloud, Platform, and now Amazee, you know, do they support, you know... Yeah, I so mean, b-
1: before, we, before we jump there, let's go to the mid-level, which is like a, a virtual private server, a VPS. Oh, okay, yeah, great. Um, oh, good, good. So with a um with a shared host, you'd have to commit everything because they don't allow SSH access or things like that usually. Um, so you'll just have to do that. I don't even, it's been so long since I've done that, like FTP, (laughs) I don't know, is that still a thing? Um, (laughs) But, uh, so the the kind of mid-level would be like a VPS, where you have uh, SSH access, you can install, Git, Drush, all that stuff on there, Um, then it's just a matter of, you know, installing the Composer, which is one or maybe two lines on the command line, that you can just copy and paste from their website, and have Composer on your site, and then you're done. So you can just, you know, uh, run your Composer stuff locally, build it out, and then commit just the the JSON file that says what you need to get, push that up, and then once it's on the remote server, just run Composer install, and it'll build out the site again there um, using the lock file, so you'll have exactly the same versions. That's another thing we should mention about Composer. Um, the way it works is you say, I want, um, for example... What's a good module? I can't even think of modules. Let's say tools. You want tools version, you know, at least version 1.0. So you can, you can specify that using the syntax in your Composer JSON file. Um, and if you've got, you know, if, if version 1.5 is out, it'll say, okay, you know, the latest version that's at least 1.0 is 1.5. So let's, let's install 1.5. Um, and it'll write that, the 1.5, to the lock file. So then when you push things up, if you know version 7 is out now on the remote server, if you run Composer update, it's going to update to the latest one. But if instead, which is recommended, you just run Composer install, it's going to install straight from the lock file. So you're going to get 1.5 even though 1.7 is out. Um, and that's one way that it keeps all of your development staging, all of your environments in sync, is that lock file. It actually specifies the exact version. Or if you're using a dev version of a module, it'll actually... Use a commit hash for that module, so you're you're getting literally the exact same version across all environments. Whereas with Drush, if you just do like a Drush install or Drush deal, C tools, you might get something different unless you specified it yourself each time.
2: All right, so a couple things then. So if when you're in this situation, you know where you're hosting on on um, a VPS like you know Amazon or Rackspace or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're ready to push a change to production. Um, You take care of it on local, you commit it on local, and as you just mentioned, you're basically just committing a change to the lock file. Mm -hmm. Um, So you SSH into your, and we're we're doing it manually right now, not using any continuous integration or anything. Mm -hmm. You SSH into that production server, and you do your git pull. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as that's done, you just do a composer install, at that Correct, point. and theoretically, you should be good to go after that.
1: Yep, um, and so then all of your packages will have the exact same version installed. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I guess we haven't mentioned this: Composer actually doesn't know anything about uh, Drupal. Like right. there are two separate things. So you do a Git pull, Composer install, then you have all the files in place, and then you'd have to run um, something to enable modules or um, run, like, the update hooks or, you know, things like that um, on the Drupal side.
2: Well, but that's, I mean, that's no no different than doing a git pull and then having to run Drush up DB or, or whatever. Yep. So is there any difference, is there any, you know, potential difference in kind of, I don't want to say downtime of the server, but you're basically, you know, changing a... You know, well, I don't want to say one-step process into a two-step process, but it seems like there is, there could be a little bit more time involved.
1: Possibly. Or Am I just imagining uh, that? So I guess because I, when
2: you do your git pull, nothing really. Right. Changes yeah, I think you're the composer. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, so I think the 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 timing that we're comparing is the timing of you know if everything was committed, the time it takes to do a git pull to get everything. Versus the time it takes for Composer install to download the new stuff. Right. Um, Which is probably, so it's probably very similar. <laughs> right, 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 right.
2: And then, you know, so going once even, you know, one step past that is what I mentioned a second ago is rather than doing it manually, you can use continuous integration for all this. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about that just
1: for a second about what that looks like? No. Okay, very good. So moving on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no, uh, I I haven't um, uh, mostly just because I haven't done it much. Uh, you know, we've got tech leads on our team that set all that stuff right. up, and so I I haven't uh, you know had to set that part up well, myself. Well, neither have I. I was going to talk about it in very I,
2: general terms. Maybe I have I have China. I have
0: a little bit more experience. Go for okay. it. So um, where where I work right now, Palantir, we actually have. Uh, a couple of a couple of things we have that are like that, but um, one of them is called Circle CI, and it basically helps you run your tests. And Circle just knows to go and look at the composer file, and when it checks out your repository, it does a composer install. It uses whatever versions are currently in the composer lock. And that's the that's the versions that it uses to install your site for you. So, it's very similar to what you would do manually. Um, if it works, you know, if you're on the command line and you type composer install, then as long as your continuous integration tool has a step where it runs composer install, then it should work just fine. Uh, but well, that's it's going to be very saying. similar, like.
2: Yeah, as Brian was saying, you can add more to that, though. You can you can do your, your Git pull. You can do your composer install. You can do your Drush, you know, up DB. Mm-hmm. You can even do a configuration import. You know, all have that automatically, you know, whenever mm-hmm. you, you want to move to production.
1: Right. Yeah, and so actually one thing I, I do use for my personal sites are uh, a set of Drush shell aliases that I put together based on kind of this sort of thing that we use internally at 4Kitchens. Um, in Drupal 7, we, we used a project that uh, we developed a lo- or internally called Aquifer. Um, and it allowed us to script some things and build artifact repos for, um, like, deploying to Pantheon or Aquia or something. Um, but one of the things it had has is uh, run commands. So you can say, when I type, you know, Aquifer run rebuild, it's going to you know, pull the latest uh, code from the develop branch, do a a database sync from live, run the the Drupal make file or the Drush make file to build out the site, uh, and you know clear cache, update DB, all this stuff. Um, and so I I really liked that it made things super easy. And so I've I basically converted them into a set of Drush shell aliases that are out on GitHub and we can link to them later if we want to. Um, but ones that I've been using for a lot of Drupal eight projects that basically do the same thing. So uh, like when I when I do develop something locally and then commit it and push it up on my my staging server, for example, I can do uh, um, you know drush at mysite.stage-stage-rebuild um, or something like that. And what it does is it checks out the stage branch, uh, does a git pull, runs composer install, um, does a config import actually it syncs the database and then does a config import over that. And then uh, Chris cache and uh, updates runs the updates and everything. So it, it basically does all of that stuff. Um, I just have to type it manually, you know, basically rebuild the server and then it does all those things that uh, like a CI tool would do.
2: So does it do that in like, if, if you already have an instance of you know your stage up and running and you run that command, does it, like, empty out the existing directory and rebuilds it from scratch? Or how does that... What does that look like?
1: Uh, no. It doesn't empty it and rebuild it, although um, that could be something we add to it because ju- uh, Drush shell aliases can be just straight-up bash commands, so you right. could do, like, an RM as your first command and then, yeah. uh, <laughs> and then tell it to do everything else. Um, I, I don't, just because I don't usually... Um, I haven't needed to yet, right? But okay. maybe I will at some point.
2: <laughs> All right, so here, so let's move on to. Um, well, I jumped ahead earlier, and um, to you know, what if you're hosting on Ocreate Cloud Pantheon platform?
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of them. So, like, platform supports Composer out of the box and always has. They've they've been kind of ahead of the curve as far as I am aware uh, on that front. Um, so with platform, supported. you
2: can actually point a platform um, uh, instance to a repository that basically only has a composer, JSON a composer lock, and it knows what to do? Or do you have to like check a box yeah. somewhere and say, run composer install every
1: time? Uh, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure they just support it. Uh, I don't know... The actual mechanics of if you have to check a box to do it or not, but I'm pretty sure it just does. Like if you, oh, they okay. and they support like um, environments per Git branch. So if you have a separate Git branch that mm-hmm. you push up, it'll spin up the environment and run Composer install and all that. As far as I'm aware, I um, okay. actually haven't used them in a little while now, so it's uh, it could okay, be different. But um, yeah, so as far as I know, they've supported it f- since day one. Um, Pantheon. Has fairly recently, but it's been a little while now. Supported um, composer-based workflow. Uh, they have a drops eight example that's um, a fork of the, the Drupal Composer Drupal project I mentioned earlier that has some tweaks to work with the Pantheon environment, but it still supports um, like a, a sub uh, sub directory web root. I'm not sure if that's the right term, but like having your web yeah. root as a directory below the project root. Um, and it supports composer so you can, um, basically push it up. And I think, I don't know if it requires you to use the terminus, uh, tool they have or if... no, actually, I, again, I haven't done this one yet, but I've, I've read a lot of the documentation. I think there is, uh, you actually, uh, can put your own scripts in to a, a certain file and it'll run everything that's in that script directory. So if you just put composer install on in that script directory, um, It'll, they, they can also run that now. Auclea, I believe that's, their, I, that's
2: their Quicksilver stuff.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I believe that's their Quicksilver Maybe you know Silver more of them. Yeah. Okay.
2: You can basically define a Quicksilver script to get kicked off on different events. And one of those events could be, you know, there's a, there's a push to a repository. Or there's a new commit in a repository. Okay, I'm going to run this Quicksilver script that
1: says, you know, Composer install. Cool. Yep. So they support it. Um, Acquia, I don't. Uh, I don't know for sure if they support it yet. I know they were planning on it. Um, I actually did a, a webinar with them a few months ago on Composer, and uh, when I was talking with one of the, the other hosts there, they they mentioned they were working on it. Um, so I don't know what that timeline looks like at all. But it it if it doesn't currently support it, it should soon, because um, like we said earlier. Drupal 8, you basically, you have to use Composer. Um, yeah, it seems nobody... like
2: that, I mean, it seems like from everything you're saying, it's going to be a best
1: practice. Yeah, it is a best practice already. It is. Like, if you talk to anybody... Well, you're talking to us right now, so... <laughs> and it's a best practice. <laughs> uh, no, it it definitely is. I mean, like, there's... Uh, I I actually don't know anybody who's building vanilla Drupal eight sites without Composer, unless you do. And okay, so <laughs> let's meet after this, <laughs> Mike. Because uh, um, well, I mean, uh, to be I, honest, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like I didn't know it would really work <laughs> in in the real world, but apparently it does. Uh, I cool. think yeah, no, I think f-
0: if you are doing it, you're going to hit a wrinkle at some point.
1: Right. right. It
0: is worth your time to figure this out.
2: Yeah, I, I know. I can tell you the first D8 site that I built was the DrupalEasy.com rebuild. Um, and that was well over, you know, probably almost two years ago now. Um, and I didn't use Composer because Composer wasn't nearly as big of a thing as it is today. So probably at some point it'll make sense for me to refactor that to use Composer. Um, I have a client that's building a Drupal 8 site. They come from a Drupal 6 world. Um, and at the time we started that, I knew about Composer, but since I was more of a project coach on that than a project developer, um, you know teaching someone Drupal 8 as well as a full professional front-end tool chain, Brian, you know you know all about you know the hurdles there with with you know learning gulp and, and npm and all that stuff. Um I felt like adding composer to the mix was something that was optional and would have been a nice to have, but it wasn't necessary for the project. It would have just been one more thing that, that that those developers had to learn that they didn't actually need to learn at that point. And I think I think that's where, you know, there's still a bunch of people probably in that camp where sure, ideally if you know, unlimited time, unlimited budget, they would want to take the time to learn it and use it, but if you know, address field is a great example. If they don't need that module or a module that requires Composer, I'm, I'm willing to bet that there's an awful lot of people out there building Drupal 8 sites who aren't using Composer. Hmm. And maybe they're smaller sites, simpler sites. Um, but that's kind of the way everything moves with Drupal, right? I mean, the the, the biggest, most complex sites... Um, you know when they decide to make a shift from a major version of Drupal, you know, to uh, the new major version or to uh, and adopt a a new technology, you know, it's usually you know that's that's a really good sign. Um, but they're normally among the earlier adopters. I mean, look at when what was it when Drupal seven was coming out? Who was the the was it um who was the company that launched their Drupal seven site before? Drupal 7 was even out. It was Examiner, wasn't it? Examiner?
0: Yeah, that's them.
2: Yeah. Um, you know They put a lot of resources into Drupal 7 um, as well as into training up their staff to build Drupal 7 sites. Um, but I think it's the smaller sites and small, I'll even say small to medium-sized sites that unless they don't need it or unless it is not you know super obvious what the huge advantage is, you know, a lot of times people have other, you know, other things that they have to take care of than, than doing something that's optionally and something that's going to be at best practice. They kind of kick the can down the road. I would say. Long silence. Long yeah. Long so I, I
1: was I was trying to find because um, <laughs> I mentioned earlier that one of the the versions is going to re- require um, composer. Let's see. Uh okay uh, so, go ahead. so so I, w- I was I'm I'm reading um the Drupal.org kind of documentation it says Drupal Drupal's composer built dependencies are not committed via Git to Drupal core's repository. That's why you don't see the vendor directory. Um instead they're using the composer.json and lock files. But Drupal.org's uh Drupal.org builds the composer defined dependencies and packages into the zip files.
0: Yeah, if you download a tarball of Drupal core, it still contains the dependencies. I don't think that's changed, and I don't think that's planned to change. But if you download it using Git, then you will have to use Composer.
2: Yeah, I think that's maybe what you were thinking of, Brian, because I think 8.0, when it came out, included the dependencies. Okay, at some point the dependencies were Yeah, removed. it was either
0: eight one or eight two. Yeah, I think that's they they took them out of the repository because the people that were, you know, using Git to download it, they sort of assumed are you know how to use Composer.
1: Yeah. So one uh, one potential downside to that is you know, it is like it goes way back to using FTP to update Drupal core. Whereas you know if you use Drush to update sure. Drupal core, like with Drupal seven, you could just run Drush up Drupal and it would do everything. Um, if you're not using Composer and you download a, a tarball, you're going to have to download another tarball if you want to update and manually replace those files, which is you know way back to like before Drush. <laughs> Whereas if you're using Composer, you can just say you know Composer update Drupal.
2: All right, let me, let me I'm going to continue being a devil's advocate here. Do it, I, do it. I think this is one of the, you know, because, you know, I, I want to, I, I think Composer is great and I kind of want to accelerate, you know, everyone's adoption of it. Um, if everybody should be using Composer, and in your words, it's, it's, it's a best practice today when I go to drupal.org slash project slash Drupal, why isn't there anything next to Drupal 8.x or 8.3 or 8.2 saying, don't download this tarball. Rather, this is how you should be installing Drupal 8. Hmm. Like for me, that would be the signal that this is the best practice. Well, Make and it.
0: I would even go so far as to say right now in order to use Drupal and composer together, you have to go to github.com slash Drupal dash composer in order to, you know, find, find the actual composer starter file that you need in order to actually, you know, do what you, what you need here. So, or, or if you work for an agency, then, presumably they will provide that for you. Um, You know, I think that's one thing, right? If, if you're inside of an organization where there's some sort of a standard practice, it's very likely that standard practice already includes composer. If you're Mm -hmm. an individual developer, you know, and, and you have 10 different hats that you're wearing right now, I totally understand you. If you don't currently use composer, not using it, but, I think sooner rather than later, you will find a time when you need it. And I think we actually have covered a couple of months ago, there were some stories about sort of like the, uh, almost like forced migration to composer by, by just certain developers choosing to have composer dependencies for their projects Mm -hmm. and making it hard not to use composer
2: so for me, that's kind of, that's why it's, I think it's never going to be, you know, a quote unquote best practice until anyone who doesn't listen to podcasts or read Drupal Planet or obsessively check tweets about Drupal, um, if you're just going to drupal.org slash project slash Drupal and there's a tarball mm-hmm. there and there's nothing about using Composer to install is really the best way to do this, I don't think it can be a best practice until that happens. Hmm. Now, granted, you, know, you can come right back and tell me, well, there's nothing about you know, using um, you know, Git clone or Drush DL mm-hmm. on, on those project pages as well. Um, but I think Composer is, I mean, it, it's, it's a significant hurdle for people to get over and if we want to signal that hey, the right way to install Drupal eight is with this composer thing, then I think the best way to do that is to change
1: the project page. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I'll just go edit that page right now and change it. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> <this off>. Fantastic. <laughs> no, I was I was looking um, at the 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 docs the so the Drupal.org slash doc slash um, eight. There's a you know how to install and and uh, so if you go to doc slash eight slash install, um, it talks about getting the code base and it's, it says if you use Git, then run this composer install uh, command and it kind of talks about that. And then under related content, there's a using composer. And so then if you go to doc slash develop slash using dash composer, there's more information about using it. So it's, it's, it's all there and looks very nice in the docs page, but you're right. Like if you're just going to project slash Drupal, it's, it doesn't say anything about Composer, and so if you don't know that you're supposed to be looking for it, you're not going to find it.
2: Right, right. All right, well, that's not a problem we're going to solve today, but that's kind of yep. where I think that there's a lot of—I don't want to even call it confusion—but I think that folks are unsure about, you know, or, or, well, I don't want to say un- actually, unsure is not even the, the right word. I think the right word is people are saying to themselves, "Do I really need Composer?" should I be using it. Yeah. And right now it feels like it's mostly opinions, right? I mean clearly you, you have your opinion, other people are going to have theirs, but there's Mind not fact. like a community, you know, standard by any, any well, yours is, Of course your's is right, <laughs> you're the guest.
0: Okay. <laughs> so so while we've been talking, I have been doing some experiments in the background. Um, one was I went over to Yes, Okay. Good. went over to uh, web-enabled, I spun up a web-enabled site and I tried to see if I could use Composer there and basically what I had to do with the way that they kind of downloaded and install Drupal, I had to, to remove the Drupal that they had downloaded mm-hmm. and then check out, or not so much check out, but copy and paste the Composer JSON file from GitHub and then install it as though I were starting a brand new project, as though they had never put Drupal in there. Um, That is the example at web-enabled, but that was probably a similar example to, like let's say, the shared hosting example, assuming your shared host has Composer, right?
1: Yeah, so this actually brings me to my video series. Perfect segue. Uh, (laughs) So so I actually have a a 26-part video series on using Composer. Well, actually, it covers Composer and configuration management. The Composer part is actually only a few videos because there's really not that much. Um, But uh, I actually used a web-enabled site for that. And so I went through the steps of, you know, I've developed this locally. Now how do I get this on my uh, web-enabled server is how I did it. Um, But I I just called it a one-click install server because that's what people might be using. Just If your server says, you know, install Drupal 8, you click it, it's, it's it's going to have some assumptions and here's how you then replace that and get this to work on that server.
0: All right. so yeah, I, definitely. I one more one more question yeah. about this if if I just download a Drupal.org module, I really just have this one module that needs composer. I go into the module directory and I type composer install inside the module directory because Drupal has a composer JSON at the root will Composer find it and then still put the stuff in the root vendor directory? Or does it put it somehow in like a module vendor directory? I think that's a question so that I for sure it, have.
1: So if you run Composer install from the root directory, um, in that Composer JSON, like especially if you're using the Drupal Composer Drupal project that we've been talking about, there's a section that says like install paths or something like that. And so it says, if the, the package is type Drupal module, put it in this place. If it's a theme, put it in this place. If it's a... Um... But
0: assume, assume that I haven't done that, that I just have the one from Drupal.org. I, I'm going to do one more, one more experiment here, because it's honestly been a while since I started a project like this. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know the yeah. answer to that. If you, if, you download, if you download a tarball of, let's say, the address module, which I just did, you just change directory into that address module. This was not inside of a Drupal site. This was just, like, out in open space. Mm-hmm. And you enter into the address module directory and you type composer install. It creates a vendor folder inside of address. Okay. I don't know what will happen then if I take that folder and I put it into a working Drupal site. Will Will it work? Don't know. But it's I worth don't either. experimenting. Um, it's worth there, checking it out.
1: I've heard... I've heard people talk about uh I don't I don't think it's going to do anything if you don't tell your root composer.json file that the address module exists. So if you so if your composer.json in the project root requires the address module, it'll put the address module where it goes and it'll check the dependencies of that. So at that point it'll say okay this requires this address, PHP library or whatever, and it'll put it in its place relative to the root. Yeah. Um but if you haven't told your
0: project Well, level I guess my question is, file, my question is less so about how it'll interact with other composers, but will the module actually work if you installed it sort of like in a vacuum?
1: I don't and think then so. You
0: move that over. I don't will will Drupal be able to find those libraries with with the autoloader? I don't think so.
1: I'd be interested a... to hear your, the results of your experiment. <laughs> and this is, I mean, this is a great example because this is exactly
2: a reason why, and here I'm gonna agree with Brian, I'm, I'm not gonna be devil's advocate anymore, but this is exactly the reason why you should be using Composer from the start. Because if you're using Composer from the start, then issues like this are not an issue.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: but if you're developing some sort of Frank, not I'm going to call it Frankenstein, but if you have a Drupal eight site up and running that does not use composer, but then you want to add the address module and you do your composer install on that. And then the vendor directory gets created in there. You know, Ryan's point is valid is will it blend? Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to keep things moving here. Um, yeah. one other thing I wanted to touch on, um, And that is, you know, so I have a bunch of links. I'm going to put in the show notes having to do with composer. Um, One of the more interesting um, ones, or two of them, I should say, both by uh, Mark Drummond, who was actually on our podcast a bunch of episodes ago to talk about something else, but we kind of sucked him into a little bit of composer discussion at the time. Um, And he has kind of similar concerns that I have, and that being, is it, like, how high of a barrier is Learning Composer for folks that are, you know, new to command line tools like this. Um, and I think one of the more interesting um, things I found was a little Twitter exchange between him and Jacine, Um who I believe they're both, Jacin's a front-ender as well. Mark is a front-end developer. Maybe Jacin is I'm not sure. Um, but they were, you know, just kind of discussing, well, which is more difficult, SAS. Or composer, and I guess if you're, if you know, and we're not talking about like using Scout or some you know some GUI tool for to to implement SaaS. I think we're talking about a full-on front-end tool chain using gulp or grunt or something like that. Um, but I just want to ask you, Brian. So from a technical standpoint, you know, and you're going to have to take off your front-end developer hat a little bit and just you know pretend you're a generalist who knows a little bit of the command line. Where's there a higher barrier there? or how does it compare to SAS? So, um,
1: for y- if you're starting from scratch, I would say SAS is a lot more difficult to get set up properly than Composer is. Composer is is actually very very easy to get started using. Um, now if you've already got everything built out and you're you've got the gulp tasks already pre-built or using somebody else's, you copy and paste it or whatever. Um, SAS is just, you know, you say, you know, gulp watch or whatever, and then you just kind of write, you don't have to interact with it ever again. Um, whereas composer, you have to know, uh, you know, type composer required to get something composer remove to remove it, composer update to get the latest version composer install. If you just want to install what's in the lock. So there's a little bit more to know like on an everyday usage point uh, perspective but if you're starting from scratch, you don't know either. Uh, Composer is going to be way more simple to get started using than like a full Sass right. workflow. Ryan, from my agree. point of view, Mr. Price.
0: Yeah, um, I think it has fewer tools to install, and and like I said before, like it really just does this one thing, which is download projects and update them. Versus Sass is like a creative tool right it's like it's like giving someone oil paints who has you know only ever used crayons and then you're just like here you go you now have this much more expressiveness all right. so and yeah composer is just sort of like well you know how you used to just buy all the things by talking to a cashier and then they would give you your money back well here's the self-checkout line it requires you to do a little bit more work and like hold some things in your head like I have scanned all of my items. I put them all in the basket over here and I'm about to give you some money, but you know there there's just a slight difference there versus you now have all this other stuff you can do.
2: Right, right, right. It doesn't it doesn't
0: really like open up a whole new world of possibilities. It's it's trying to make your life easier, not not give you you know all these extra all these extra tools because because CSS, you know, the the rate of change of what people want to do with CSS moves slower than the standards body. This isn't, this isn't a reaction to, you know, a broken bureaucracy. It is, it is just trying to save you time by, you know, making it easier to have these dependencies in your project. Agreed. Agreed.
2: All right. Well, moving on. Let me um, tell everyone about Drupal career online uh, the next semester, 12-week semester, starts on Monday, March 13th of this year. Uh, Drupal Career Online is a three-half-day-a-week, 12-week-long online Drupal learning course where we learn a blend of Drupal 7 and Drupal 8. And to be perfectly honest, after talking to Brian and Ryan today, I'm going to consider you know, when we install Drupal 8 sites to uh, do it via Composer. Um, I'll have to look to see where I can get that into the schedule. But, um, you know, as I think we all agree, it's it's coming. And everyone's going to be using it soon um, as a best practice. Uh, So if you're interested or you know someone who might be interested in Drupal Career Online, we do this thing called the Taste of Drupal. And there's actually one tonight, but this podcast is going to be out uh, after that takes place. So the next one is going to be on Tuesday, February 28th, from 5:30 to 7 p.m. Eastern here in the U.S. And it's basically a free webinar where I will talk about, you know, in, in a bit more detail, what exactly Drupal Career Online is. We'll go over the curriculum, we'll look at the syllabus, we'll talk about the teaching style and and all of the. Um, uh, all of the materials that are available to the students and kind of, you know, our, you know, our take on how, you know, how to learn Drupal the right way. Um, if you want to kind of get a little bit of a taste beforehand, uh, we just put up a blog post called Learning Drupal Time is on Your Side. Um, I am not a huge fan of um uh, boot camp, fire hose style training where it's, you know, 40 hours a week for a week, you know, 8 to 5. Um, I just feel that too much falls through the cracks. And if you fall behind at the beginning, then you're, you're kind of in big trouble. Um, I am much more of a methodical, um, learner as well as instructor where I want people to learn something, practice it, go away and think about it and maybe experiment and then come back and learn some more. Um, and just keep that very methodically going over uh, 12 weeks. So you can check out that blog post kind of talks about our philosophy a little bit more. Um, and if you're interested in Drupal Career Online, by all means, uh, check us out at drupaleasy.com slash D-C-O for Drupal Career Online. And you can sign up for the Taste of Drupal there as well. Um, so we've been talking for quite a while, so I'm gonna, we're going to go super fast through the three stories Um, and Ryan and Brian, just chime in if you have anything you want to add. Otherwise, I'm basically not going to do much more than than summarize them in a sentence or two each. Um, The first one, something I'm actually pretty excited about, uh, Layout is a new experimental subsystem for Drupal Core. Um, There's a link to the change record. Uh, Anyone who's played with Display Suite or Panels in Drupal 8 knows that there is a, I believe it's called Layout Plugin, module that is um, both of those modules are dependent on and basically what it does is layout plugin um, allows uh, uh, designers or themers to basically create one template file and have it work for both display suite and panels and any other module that wants to uh, take advantage of it Um, that module layout plugin is what is becoming layout in drupal core at some point in the future. So it's it's marked experimental right now, um, but that layout plugin is going to be part of Drupal Core, so there is going to be one way to create layout plugins in Drupal Core moving forward, which is fantastic. Um, story number two, the media initiative, and I'll just read the title of a blog post by MD Systems. Uh, the media initiative is official, mm. and we, being MD Systems, are one of its leading parts. Um, so... The media handling in Drupal 7 was a big thing with the media module. Um, Getting some of that into Drupal Core has been high on a lot of people's wish lists. So there's been a lot of work in the contributed space for Drupal 8 around the various media modules. Um, It is now an official core initiative, and some of those modules are going to be making their way into Drupal Core in the future. And the folks at MD Systems are very rightly proud of their kind of leading role on that. And I think that's great news for everyone um, that those kind of core competencies are going to be making their way into uh, Drupal Core in the future. So uh, you guys have any input, anything um, additional to add on either the layout or the media stuff? No? Fantastic. So quiet. Um, So last one. What's new on Drupal.org? I like these. This is um, uh, Tim, uh, the new, uh, not the new, I shouldn't say new, but the um, CTO, I believe, of the Drupal Association. Once a month, he basically puts a blog post up as far as what changes are on Drupal.org. There's a bunch of them uh, from December. Um, and I, I want to just point one out here because Brian, you might be able to explain it to us. Although I think Ryan alluded to it earlier, is that there's a, there was a stable release of the Composer facade. So does that have something to do with when you um, are writing a Composer.json and you're listing your various potential um, endpoints, where packages is the default one? Um, is the composer facade for Drupal.org kind of the endpoint for Drupal projects? And maybe endpoint isn't the right word.
1: Um, I've never heard the word composer facade. I've never heard those words put together before. <laughs> <laughs> um, but well, quickly reading it... over. yeah, Go ahead.
2: It says, after a period of feedback, bug fixes, and further refinement, and with the help of core and contrib developers, we announced the stable release of Drupal.org's composer support on December 21st.
0: Okay, yeah, I know what yeah. this is. So yeah, I do too now, but go ahead. You used to have to use uh, a site that was called like Drupal Packages or something like that, and now you can actually get your Composer packages directly from Drupal.org. So, is that so something that's it was creepy. a one-line change that you would make in your Composer JSON file to change it from this old old source that was sort of like being supported by a community member and some companies were sponsoring him so that people could use Composer with Drupal more easily to now the Drupal Association is supporting it.
2: So is it safe to assume that's something that's baked into the Drupal Composer GitHub project, Brian?
1: Yeah, so they they used to be using the old one and now they switched it over to the official Drupal.org. So any projects you build from here on out will be using uh, the Drupal.org packages endpoint. Um, and if you've got old projects that were using that uh, template, then you'll have to do some conversion. Um, you'll have to add the new repository and change the version numbers the way they're, they're written for All your right. projects. But Very anything good. going forward is, is using that, the new one. So Perfect, perfect.
2: All right, a couple more things out of this December update. Um, and I'm just going to mention this one real quick because it's about Composer. That Drupal CI has been refactored and updated to use Composer. So definitely another signal that you know, Composer is rapidly becoming a best practice um, all, all over the, the Drupal universe. Um, and then something we've talked about in the podcast in the past, I don't think we've talked about it for a while, but the project application review process, which uh, makes a lot of people just, you know, just nuts how you know, long it takes. And, and um, the association is getting ready to help uh, revamp that entire process. So there is um, some planning going on right now um, for the project application revamp. Uh, I think we actually mentioned it last week when we were talking about um, a, a blog post that came up um, about how the Drupal.org marketplace is ranked and that hopefully in the future, um, organizations that participate in project application reviews will get some credits um, that will be applied to the, their ranking on the uh, Drupal.org market, marketplace. So always a really uh, cool um, blog post. I, I check it out every month whenever I see it come across Drupal Planet. Always lots of good stuff there. All righty, that was three stories. Uh, picks of the week. I am just going to give mine first real quick and then shut up for a while. Um, I found this module called the, Miss- the Module Missing Message Fixer. Um, and all it does is, it's a module. If you've upgraded past Drupal seven point five o, maybe even seven point five one, if you have kind of a rogue entry in your system table for a module that isn't there anymore, you end up getting this annoying message that shows up on usually on your status reports mm-hmm. or other pages. Yes, you've, we've all seen it. And you can go in, and you can manually mess with your system table and and get rid of it, or You can, you know, re-download the module and then disable and uninstall it properly and then get rid of it that way. Or you could just use this module, the Module Missing Message Fixer module that will help you get rid of those messages. Um, And I also want to remind everyone, um, nominations are open for the 2017 Aaron Winborn Award. Uh, This is the award that's given annually to a member who gives back to the community in an extraordinary way. So definitely check that out. Link will be in the show notes. I see Ryan still typing, so I'm going to look at Brian for your pick of the week.
1: Yeah, so I was just looking at that uh, missing module message fixer drush command, and it's drush -mm mmmful. <laughs> it's M M M F L. Anyway, uh, yeah. So my pick of the week is going to be something that um, I feel like I'm cheating, but it's it's like a legitimate thing. Uh, we've developed at Four Kitchens um, so this project we call Emulsify. Um, we developed it as a front end team from you know, within Four Kitchens, and it basically uh, integrates Pattern Lab with um, a. It's a Drupal theme, but it has Pattern Lab in it as its core. So it's actually something we've developed so that we can hand this off to like a designer that's going to design something for us, and they can just work in Pattern Lab and never have to install Drupal at all. They can just build out their components. It all uses uh, Atomic Design and uh, and then Pattern Lab. So they can build everything out design-wise in Pattern Lab, and then um, we can very easily wire those patterns into Drupal templates that actually build our site. So, like, um, the reason I'm doing this is because I just uh, had, like, a a whirlwind hackathon over the last couple days for a a new client, and I had never used Emulsify yet, uh, but I knew that some people in our team had been working on it to make it uh, easy to use. And even though I had never used it before, never even, like, done atomic design before uh there was a, there's a bunch of examples in there and i was able to very quickly like just tweak the the default uh patterns and create some new ones and then plugging them into drupal was a breeze and we were able to get a ton done uh, using atomic design i have a, a legitimate a legitimate living style guide uh that goes with the Drupal theme, and the the benefit of using this is that because Pattern Lab is completely isolated from Drupal, um, if you wanted to then use this pattern library for like a, a WordPress theme or a React uh, site, you know, completely headless or whatever, you can use this set of patterns anywhere, not just in in your Drupal site, but it's but it is made so that you can easily just wire it into Drupal. So check out Emulsify; it's pretty stinking sweet. Is that for Drupal 7 or 8? It is for 8. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, so it's all uh, it's all using twigs. So you just write your twig stuff in Pattern Lab, and you can just say, include my Pattern Lab twig file with my Drupal information, and you're done. It's pretty sweet. All right, very cool. Uh, Ryan, your pick of the week.
0: Yeah, um, I was just going off of the theme of this week's uh, podcast. We were talking all about Composer, if you work on Composer with more than one developer, you will invariably get to a couple of possible points. One being someone typed Composer update when they should have typed Composer install, and then they checked in the new Composer lock file. And the next time you do a git pull, it's going to say, hey, there's a conf- conflict in your Composer lock file. And then you go, okay, well, now what do I do? Um, another one would be, someone else had to install a new module and you had to install a new module and pretty much the same thing happens. So this blog post sort of gives you like a step-by-step. Number one, don't do the following. Mm -hmm. And then number two, here's what you should do. Use their composer lock file and then whatever thing that you had to install or update, you start with the new composer lock file that you got from the other developer and you update their composer lock file and then you check that new one into Git while you're still in merge conflict mode, and then your merge is fixed. Um, it's it's somewhat common sense, but if you get to this and you don't know what to do, this blog post is great.
2: Yeah, I was I saw you posted this in our uh, in our subreddit, and I, yeah. I I thought about making it a pick of the I'm uh, not a pick of the week a story, but then I said I bet you he's going to make that his pick of the week. So yeah, no, it's it's very useful. I read I read through it.
1: But it's, and it, yeah,
0: I mean, it's it's just one of those things. Like, th- this is not this is not crazy, but it just you know sometimes you just need to like have a blog post that tells you what your problem is because you can't think because you're looking at this giant red wall of pain. For
2: me, it was more of just confirmation that that would be the right way of doing it. Yeah. Right. For sure. Yeah. Right. All right, um Brian, are you going to be anywhere anytime soon community ish uh
1: I don't think so. not till Drupalcon. I've got some four kitchens things we're going to, but right. um very good and
2: Ryan, you, I believe are going to miss your first Florida Drupal camp ever
0: pretty much yeah i mean we're we're down to the wire on like plane tickets probably getting expensive and sure, sure. uh it's it makes me very sad, because actually it's in my bio. Like anytime someone says like, "Can you write a professional bio?" I'm like, "Yes," and I helped start a Drupal camp, <laughs> and then I'm not going to get to go this time. Um, it always comes down to money. Oh. That's pretty much it. Uh, anywhere uh, else that
2: you're going to be in the next few weeks?
0: Well, the Pacific Northwest Drupal Summit is coming up soon. It's a couple of hours drive, which you know is probably doable from here. Um, it's in another country, but we now have this fancy global entry card that gets us th- through the border on the way home a little bit faster. So that should be kind of fun. Um, so I'm considering that. And uh, right before DrupalCon, a bunch of my co-workers from Palantir put on this event called MidCamp in Chicago that I hear very, very good things about. The last Chicago Drupal Camp I went to was called Chicago Drupal Camp. And that was probably eight or nine years ago. I think it was just before they did the DrupalCon in Chicago. So it's been a while since I went to a Chicago camp. And now I have a lot of friends there. Um. Also, update on my experimentation. I used the core quick install option from Drush to um, just install you know, a quick site because these days I only ever install sites that also come with their own virtual machine. And my laptop was not ready to just like really, really quick spin up a site. So, um, number one, if you really need to install Drupal now, don't forget about core quick install because that thing just saved my bacon. So I could (laughs) get it in this podcast. Um, and then I took my address module, which I had ran composer install, outside of drupal and then i imported it and i tried to install it and i got two red error messages that said this module requires this library and this module requires this library so it did not work
2: i think that's what brian correctly predicted yes gold star for brian today very good sweet all right so uh Florida Drupal Camp, coming up uh, February 17th through 19th. Um, So this podcast should be out in plenty of time for you to make the trip down. This will be the best Florida Drupal Camp ever, and uh, I think Ryan can attest that's a pretty high bar. Um, I'm going to give an exclusive right now about the camp. I don't think too many people know about it. Um, We will have, during registration on Saturday morning, we will have live animals at the camp.
1: <laughs> and I, it, like it, a
0: petting zoo? Like, are,
1: and, are they going to be alligators?
2: What
0: was the last exotic animal that you hand-fed? Well, whatever it was, it was at Florida Drupal Camp. It's
2: go, yes. It, uh, future guests, if they come to Florida Drupal Camp and are there on registration Saturday the 18th in the morning, they will have a fantastic future answer for the last exotic animal that you've hand-fed. And that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. So, Mr. Price, where can people find you online?
0: I go by Liberator on just about every site. Um, Take out the last vowel. Uh, You can actually see some new blog posts coming up very soon on Palantir.net and I have other podcasts that have also been on hiatus um, that I'm hopefully gonna be doing something with soon but like anything that i do i would much rather do it with other people so uh if you're out there and you're interested in talking about you know fun interesting things send me a tweet let's let's chat let's make something happen brian lewis you you're you're a podcaster in need of a podcast let's talk
1: (laughs) (laughs)
2: where can people find
1: you brian uh twitter mods unraveled um modules unraveled.com brian at modules bj lewis2 on drupal.org
2: <laughs> fantastic and yeah. as always i'm ultimate pretty much everywhere and you can also follow drupal easy um on twitter and pretty much anywhere else so brian oh i forgot to tell you not to put, type your answers in but that's okay so for five questions, you ready? Here we go. And um, Number no. one is already making me hungry. Name something interesting <laughs> you do outside of Drupal.
1: So lately I've been uh, making a lot of homemade beef jerky, like getting big hunks of me at the store and slicing it at home. And I have our own, we have our own seasoning that we mix together and uh, dry, and it's all way better than the store-bought stuff. Uh, I used well- to love store-bought beef jerky. Until I had like real homemade beef jerky, and now I can't eat store bought stuff.
0: Okay,
2: I am typing my address into (laughs) Skype chat. Uh, If for some reason there should be some beef jerky that ends up at that address, that would be so awesome. I actually have a student, um, I actually have two students, or graduates, I should say, from our long form class who. uh, one of them sends me homemade caramels a couple times a year. Hmm. The other one recently sent me a giant bottle of homemade limoncello. Hmm. So I'm, I'm looking. So I have dessert. I have the after dinner <laughs> drink. I need something savory. So not that you were ever a student, Brian. You could probably teach me a thing or two, but I would love to try it. So maybe at TripleCon
1: Baltimore, otherwise we can Maybe. Save a piece for me. That'd be great. I'll just uh, bring the dehydrator to DrupalCon and make it while we're there. That would be outstanding. Yes.
2: That'd be actually... Well,
0: I, I have to say, uh, I have been the uh, guest at uh, Brian's House O Waffles at uh, DrupalCon <laughs> Austin. That's right. I forgot about that. It was pretty awesome.
1: We, we all... We had, there was like eight of us in the, that Airbnb, and I brought my waffle iron and mixed up some waffles from scratch, and nice. we had waffles every morning.
0: So that's what I was trying to get him to say. Brought his waffle iron to DrupalCon. (laughs) This man is serious.
2: All right. What's the uh, last piece of software you've
1: installed? So, yeah, I had to look this up. And I don't... Technically, if we want to get technically correct, Zeppelin, uh, which is kind of like um, Envision. It's for like prototyping, designing stuff, but that's only because a client project, they used it and I had to have it in order to get the the files from them. But like something that I actually installed for me to use was uh, Docker for Mac. I've been playing with Docker a lot lately and uh, having a lot of fun with that. All
2: right. What's a goal that you have uh, that you you haven't yet accomplished?
1: Yeah, so I I wrote in here buying uh, my first house, but that if you were to ask me in about two weeks, that will have been accomplished. So we're closing on the 17th and moving into uh, a house. and That's going to be really exciting to Brian freeze up. So yeah.
0: Okay. I was wondering if that was me or Brian. So,
2: uh, yeah, Brian, I think you froze up. So hang on I think, second. I think what he's oh.
0: saying is he's, he, it's, it's so terrifying that he can't even talk <laughs> about it. Well, I just talked about it for about five
1: minutes, so I'm not saying it again. <laughs> No I'm kidding, uh yeah, I'll, well, it was already recorded on my side, but I'll say it again for your sake, um buying a house, first house, first home purchase that's gonna be a big deal. It's kind of uh terrifying,s not the right word, but it's um
2: there's you know. some nerves involved there,
1: yeah, like this is a big deal. We're spending more than ten bucks on this house, so <laughs> same um, same time you're moving very far away or. Uh actually moving back back into town. Right now we live about thirty minutes outside of town, huh. like in the middle of nowhere, and so we're moving back up near civilization.
2: <laughs> Alright. Um what's the last exotic animal
1: that you've hand fed? Yeah, I don't my dog. I mean <laughs> 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 something at a petting zoo, maybe. I mean uh I'm not really an exoter.
2: All right, I'm not sure that's a word, but okay, we'll go with your dog. It is. That's, that's fine. <laughs> and what was your tipping point Drupal moment?
1: Yeah, this one because I knew you were going to ask, I had to think about it, and I couldn't think of anything in particular, uh, so I had to go with like, um, the thing that got me into Drupal full time. So I was before I was doing Drupal, I was a music teacher and um, was teaching music and doing Drupal kind of on the side just in free time for friends and myself and whatever. Uh, And then the school district I was working at needed a new website and somebody in there saw me working on a website like over my shoulder at some point and was like, hey, you do that? And so they ended up contracting me to build the new site for the school district uh, and I did that. And then from there I, I started taking on actual like Paying. Did you build
2: that in WordPress? Yes. Hmm. Okay.
1: Very good. No, it was Drupal seven actually. And it was like, it was like, the month that Drupal seven came out. So there was a lot of learning involved with right, right. building that site. So, yeah.
2: So you were, a, and this is this is the second time in about the past three or four podcasts where this has happened, where I've learned something very interesting about someone in the last dying moments of the podcast. So you were a music <laughs> teacher.
1: Yes, my degree is music education. I have so, no formal technology training except for like just a couple of classes I took because I wanted to.
2: So what's your like? What's your number one instrument that you play?
1: Uh, percussion, drums, anything yeah. you can hit.
2: Do you have a drum set there? Like if you turn that camera 90 degrees, are we going to see a drum set?
1: No. Uh, I haven't owned anything basically since I went to college because yeah. moving into a dorm, I just kind of sold all of my... I had a drum set and marimba and yeah. a bunch of stuff. And I just sold it all and because the school had everything I needed.
0: Sold your marimba.
1: Yeah. man. It was... Yeah. So do you play... I mean, it was was kind of a beginner marimba anyway. But...
2: I mean, I played music... I mean, I I was in the music department, like, in middle school and stuff, and I remember, like, the the percussionists and everybody else were two separate, distinct groups, even, like, when we were learning. So are there any, like,
1: non-percussion instruments that you play, or...? Well, I... I mean, I can play most everything because when you're learning to be a music teacher, you have to take classes on all the other ones. So like I played oboe and I played bassoon and I played trumpet and I played uh, saxophone and I played violin and cello. So do you have any instruments uh, like lying
2: around your house that when you're bored, you just pick something up and play or a piano? Or
1: um, Well, there will be a piano with the new house because it'll be big enough. Uh, But we've got, I mean, my wife has a guitar and I've got a ukulele and... (laughs) Yeah. All right. Small stuff here.
2: <laughs> it's always always interesting to learn about people's like, you know, what they did before Drupal sucked
1: them in, you know. <laughs> I do in the garage though have a bag of like drumsticks and mallets and everything that uh is worth about a thousand bucks, like just of sticks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fantastic.
1: And the only reason I know it's worth that much is because it was stolen once and then recovered.
2: Oh boy. That but seems like a whole anyway, other story.
1: So- yeah.
2: All right, so real quick, let me, both of you did my job today. You you both mentioned WebEnabled.com. You know, Brian used it on his latest uh, series of uh, screencasts for Composer and configuration management with Drupal 8. Ryan used it for a science experiment. So definitely if you need to spin up a site and get SSH access to a server and install stuff using Composer or install, you know, whatever you need, uh, definitely check out WebEnabled.com.
1: And and I should clarify, I didn't actually use web-enabled, I used DevPanel for Dev, there you go. The, the site, which is All right, that's, similar.
2: Yes, exactly. So webenabled.com uh, or devpanel.com, definitely check them both out. DevPanel, as uh, Salim, the, uh one of the principals behind both of them, calls DevPanel, he says it's cPanel for developers. So definitely check that out. Um, if you want to hear more of us, drupaleasy.com slash podcast or search for Drupal Easy on pretty much any podcasting platform. If you want to call us and leave us a voicemail, you can do that in the U.S. at plus one, three, two, one, three, nine, six, two, three, four, zero. If you want to suggest a story that we cover or potentially uh, have an idea of what we might be covering in the next couple of weeks, um, you can check us out on Reddit. Uh, the subreddit is Drupal Easy Podcast. Uh, So I think that's about it. Ryan, thank you very much for joining, um, taking the time. Always great to see you.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so just because I I still have the microphone, just in case you're wondering, if you install Drupal from Drupal.org from a Tarball or from Drush and then you want to use Composer later, you really have to go to GitHub and get this file. If we didn't make that 100% clear before, if you don't have the Drupal Composer JSON file, just don't even worry about it.
2: I was going to ask like why? Why isn't that on Drupal.org? Like, why is that on GitHub?
0: That is a great question, and I think we should totally answer it in a future show. Yes,
1: Brian, you got you want the, to chime I, in the, there? the short of it is it, it was a community thing. It wasn't an official Drupal thing. Like the community said, we need this, so they built it. Right, um, and then now Drupal.org has. Is like supporting it, basically. like.
2: But doesn't that describe everything community. on Drupal.org?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> a lot of things are going to Git GitHub. You know, like a lot of modules yeah. are developed on GitHub and then just mirrored onto Drupal.org. So it's, I think it was a, a personal preference of workflow.
2: Right. Okay. Fair enough. Well, Brian, hey, thanks, uh, um, thanks for being officially a guest on the podcast, <laughs> not just a, hey, look, Brian Loose is walking by, let's grab him. <laughs> You can still do that if you want to. Yeah, I'm sure we we definitely will. But I um, may or may not talk to you. <laughs> um, yeah. So thanks for the uh, the screencast series. Definitely check those out on Modules Unraveled. And we'll see everybody on the next Drupal Easy Podcast. See ya. All right, fantastic. I thought that went well. I'm going to stop recording.